I've worked in a wide range of places. In some, foul language seems to spew forth from people nonstop. In others, the slightest off-color remark would turn heads and raise eyebrows with astonishment. Given how different workplaces can be in this way, it makes sense to devote some special attention to the topic of swearing at work. How should we think about it? And what research might help guide us? In this episode, we explore. Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. Yeah, so we're going to talk about a good guide to swearing at work. That's right. <laughs> and we're going, to prob- we're going to do so probably without even swearing in the episode. Yeah, today you'll learn how to tell your boss how you really feel. No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> just call him a jackwagon or a numbskull. That's probably not in your employee handbook on the list of banned words, right? Uh, yeah, because you should have a list. No, nope. actually, we're going to get into all that. So today we're going to talk about um, like kind of an intro to ways to think about swearing at work. We're going to do a survey of some of the research on swearing. Yep. Smart people are actually publishing peer-reviewed papers on this. <laughs> it's awesome. I know. I love the world, right? <laughs> and implications for people, leaders, and organizations. Right on. So why don't we jump right into this first part and just let's let's think about how do we think about swearing at work? And maybe we'll just start off with kind of our experiences. So where are you coming from on this topic, Chris? What have your experiences been with regard to swearing at work? Well, it just it depends so much on the environment that I'm in. Okay, and, so be specific. So, army. Yeah, is there, in the, is there in any the army, that, you know, especially in the infantry, like, you just don't feel, it's like starting your day without a cup of coffee, right? If you're not getting rained on and cursing life, like, you're generally not in the infantry or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, you know, like, you know, I lived in the South for a long time and it, a norm would be not do not cuss around ladies. Mm. Right. And and actually, the guys don't cuss much amongst each other as well in polite circumstance. Now, if you're fishing right. and drinking a bunch of beer, yeah, there's going to be some wordy dirts thrown out. But you got some stuff where people will not say a bad word. Because one of the things they'll do in the South is say, oh, well, bless his heart. I mean, and like that guy is just so lost in the sauce. He's never going to get his pants on, you know, <laughs> and and I think there's an interesting thing here because there's the words you say. Right. And does is any word really? I mean, they're just phonetics thrown out there. Mm-hmm. Right. And the intent. And I think some of those bless your heart was just as insidious as say right. the cussing that just happens when you know you put your foot in your army boot and there's a spider in there that bites you right because you can say bless his heart like an expletive almost right <laughs> right and and so this is where you know not to get into the biblical thing i mean ben is a believer i am not i'm an atheist but i there's this thing in scriptures where they talk about the intentions of the heart right and i think you can just be a, a malicious, horrible, awful person with the sweetest sanguine words coming out of your mouth versus somebody, I don't know, like a lot of comedians cuss, right? And that Mm -hmm. was one of the things I liked about Sinbad. You remember Sinbad, the comedian? Sure. Yeah. He could be hilarious and never say a bad word. So I don't know. That's kind of my experience with cussing. 
Sure. So, I mean, my experiences are somewhat similar. I think, you know, it really depends on the context. Being around the, you know, various people in the Navy, you'll you'll find, uh, you know, various types of choice language being used. But it's not, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's that much different than, you know, some other parts of civilian life. Well, I mean, we have that phrase, curse like a sailor, <laughs> yeah, right? This is true. <laughs> this is true. And I think, you know, something we'll talk about a little bit more as we get into the episode is, you know, as you get more senior uh, in an organization, it becomes um, more taboo, perhaps, to use that type of language. Um, and, and then, of course, there are other circles in which uh, it is not appropriate. Uh, so there are vast differences organizationally, culturally, uh, with regard to the acceptance of foul language. And just personally, I mean, my my bias is towards not using um, foul language because I think it's um, somewhat grammatically lazy and uh, isn't super helpful. Uh, but we'll talk about some of those different things, right? And, you know, one way to think about swearing is a categorization that you came across. And this is from Steven Pinker from his book, The Stuff of Thought, language as a window into human nature. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But um, yeah, he has this kind of categorization of different types of swearing. Right. So, you know, there's abuse of swearing, right? right. Which I think, bless his heart, can fall into, actually. <laughs> Which and, and this is intended to offend, intimidate, or otherwise cause emotional or psychological harm. Right. Right. This is where... I mean, <laughs> you this can't... is where you're telling somebody off and you are bullying you'll, and you'll all go that to kind jail for punching somebody in the face, but you really want to. This is the type of <laughs> language that you use. Um, and and that leads to the other one, which is cathartic swearing, which sure. is used in response to, you know, pain or misfortune. You know, right. your best friend comes over to your house or you see him walking. You're like, you know, Jim, why you look so sad? What's going on? man, I just got fired today. Mm. Well, you're not going to say, oh, well, that's a bummer. I mean, you <laughs> might, but it just doesn't feel appropriate, right? Right, right. Another one is, uh, I don't even know what this word is. Dysphemistic. Dysphemistic. Dysphemistic swearing? Okay, so this is a swearing, it's a category of swearing that Steven Pinker decided he needed to have a really big word to describe. Um, so it, it is... sounds more serious, you know, there's like, yes. Hey, these nerds decided to publish, <laughs> publish on cussing. And this is what they got. <laughs> so that this area of research can be taken seriously. <laughs> hey. We call it dysphemistic swearing. Um, this is when you're using different types of words to convey that you think negatively of a subject matter and you want other people to do the same. Um, another one that you probably uh, we can all kind of uh, think of and, and probably think of examples in our own lives is um, emphatic swearing, right? Where you're trying to draw additional attention to something. Um, you know, this is really important. Uh, this is something yeah, this I really isn't don't just like. important. This is bleeping important. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's emphatic swearing to try to kind of underline it. Right. Um, and to, to put an exclamation point on something. Yeah. Dysphemistic stuff is, I think, more like, hey, you know, oh. You go to that golf course, you know, that mm. golf course is full of a bunch of bleeping numbskulls, right? Yeah. You know, right, right. Yeah. So it's it's trying to attribute some sort of negative connotation with something. And then idiomatic swearing. This is where you don't really have any kind of particular purpose for the use of the words, 
But it's just kind of a sign that the relationship between the people who are conversing is informal, that you have this kind of, you know, level of formality that that doesn't require a polite conversation all the time. Yeah, it's sometimes it's, you know, there's just those things that, you you know, it's just between friends type thing. Yeah. And, you know. I remember growing up when I was a kid and I first started hearing bad words, you know, you would try them out and you'd say <laughs> like, man, I'm not good at this at all. But mm-hmm. then you'd hear somebody like really tell somebody off and you're like, wow, they really know how to swear. Great. I mean, yeah. zing, you know, it just has a good. Yeah. So I, I just it say, takes uh, practice. Uh, you know, a real, just a parenting tip here. Um, if you really want to introduce your kids to uh, foul language, what you can do is just sit them down and have them watch. The first 20 to 30 minutes of Full Metal Jacket, um, which is a, a movie, a Stanley Kubrick movie from a number of decades ago. And they'll get a good introduction to um, to that type of language. I don't I don't know if that falls under the raising them right auspices there, Ben. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Don't do that. Don't do that. OK, so we've talked about some different ways to think about swearing. So we have these different categories, right? We use these words in many different complicated ways. We use them to try to build kind of social solidarity, to draw emphasis to things. We may, unfortunately, use them to try to harm each other. We may use them just if we stub our toe. Um, All of these different ways that we use these words. And this can and does, of course, bleed over into the workplace. You hear these types of things at work once or uh, once in a while. So why don't we start now to focus on the research on swearing at work. And we kind of laughed at the beginning about, yeah, there is a an actual body of knowledge. There are people who research this as a topic. And there's just a little plug out there. Hey, if you want to go research fun stuff, um, you know, go get go get you a PhD and and start publishing some cool stuff. I mean, because you have good freedom around, you know, what you want to to study. So some folks study swearing at work. And I think, you know, there are a handful of articles we came across. It's not a huge literature. It's not like You know, more people have studied job satisfaction than have studied swearing at work. I think that's a pretty safe estimate. Um, But one interesting place to start, I think, that we can um, where we can begin comes from an article written by Danette Johnson and Nicole Lewis. And this was published in a journal called Communication Reports. And they talk about swearing at work within the context of expectancy violations. Right. So we're going through our daily lives through our conversations, and we have certain expectations, given the context, given the situation, around what's normal and what's not normal. And swearing can be something that violates those expectations. And so they they take that angle on the topic of swearing at work. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes it so jarring, or the, the words, you know, it's like words are colors, and mm-hmm. the, the bad ones are like neon. And we're not in the 80s anymore. You should use them sparingly, right? <laughs> I, you know, when somebody, if you're in a real formal situation, or let's say you're sitting at church and all of a sudden the priest drops drops a really bad word from the pulpit, everybody's riveted at that moment because it would be such a norm violation, right? right? Or if you're talking to, say, a group of people at a nursing home, you you wouldn't probably all right nursing home guys let's watch uh the first 20 minutes of full metal jacket right it's just <laughs> it 
it's just jarring. And, and, you know, you send us an email if you got a regular full metal jacket viewings at a nursing home that you know. of. Yeah. So uh, fun fact, I one time met and spent some time with Arlie Ermey, who is the actor who he, he passed away a couple years ago, but he, uh, he played the Marine Corps drill sergeant in that movie. And he gave me a signed doll. It was kind of a weird thing, but this little action figure doll that was in this case, I gave it away to someone as a gift, but it was, um, he signed it and you'd push a button on the back and it would spew expletives. So um, not something that you would want to push in the workplace necessarily, depending on the norms around swearing at work. So what they note in this article um, that was published in Communication Reports is that it's not a, a large body of research on, on swearing at work. However, it has been studied formally for more than 100 years, since about 1901. And, you know, there a lot of times we try to start with some sort of common definition about what we're talking about in these podcast episodes. And I think that's a great idea. It, it helps us all to be on the same page. But there actually isn't a common definition in the scholarly literature around what swearing is. Um, but it includes kind of what you would think of. It includes offensive language, cursing, dirty words, various taboo words, you know, words that kind of have these um, very negative connotations or ones that are particularly jarring in terms of our ordinary vernacular. Yeah, and it's all within the context, a relationship with context and how it violates expectancies of how people should conduct themselves, right? But, you know, one of the things that I think about is like the great moral panic of like the 70s and the 80s, you know, Okay, Tipper Gore brought Frank Zappa and the Twisted Sister guy in f- to testify in front of Congress. D. Snyder. Yeah, right? I mean, they were like, we're concerned about, you know, a whole bunch of stuff in this rock and it was, roll It was around music. profanity in music, I think, was the big thing, right? Or it, bad lyrics. And it was kind of cool because we got parental advisories on mm-hmm. records. And I remember, man, you were one of the cool kids if you got a tape. You know, back when music was on tape, you got a tape with a parental advisory. Oh, let's listen to this <laughs> clandestine music here. Right. I mean, but it was a violation of the norms. You know, you just people were dealing with grittier topics and heck, everybody had a fit, including Congress. Yeah, it was fascinating. Right. So um, certainly norms have shifted over time with regard to these things. And I think an important element here, this is a big takeaway for all of our listeners, and I think for us as we think about this topic, is that swearing is a, it has it has to do with the context, right? And what they looked at the, in this study was the, how, how swearing fits into the context and how, um, you know, the degree to which the use of swearing might violate the expectations in a given situation. So, of course, part of how we even understand what's going around on around us throughout our lives is, you know, how what's going on conforms with or does not conform with what we expect. Um, Expletives (laughs) carry a certain expectancy violation. Um, And so they did a survey and they looked at a, a handful of different items. They looked at whether or not the the sex of the person who was uh swearing if that mattered right so males versus females saying certain words um they didn't actually find a significant difference however this is an interesting area where there are some some double standards that have been found with regard so for example women are sometimes um judged more harshly if they use foul language than men 
Um, but that's been found in some other studies. They didn't really find that here. It wasn't a huge study. Um, they also looked at speaker status, uh, whether or not you know swearing would be more expected from those who are lower in status. They didn't really find a significant def- difference there, but they did find a difference with regard to the formality of the setting. So when you have a very formal setting, you know, this is the flatulence in church type of scenario. <laughs> if you have some, a very formal setting. Did where you just something... say that on our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that, that still keeps us a clean rating from Apple Podcasts. Yeah, there you um, go. So, you know, uh, you, if you have that very formal setting and you violate the expectations by swearing, that's going to be um, more problematic uh, the content, right? So, you know, what actual words you use. There, There is there a definite hierarchy <laughs> of, of different words out there. Some are worse than others. Um, at least we've kind of decided that as a culture. You know, you could probably argue with Brown some, but I think most people would say that some are much worse than others. Um, you know, and then looking at whether or not, um, what that does to perceptions of the person who, swears, right? And what they found in this study is that it it is associated with um, perceptions of incompetence. So this is kind of a foreshadowing of some of these implications. So you got to handle this with care. If you're going to be swearing um, a lot at work or even at all, you want to know and kind of think about what the implications of that might be for how other people see you. Right. And the important thing to note here is it's all about context, right? Right. So 20 years from now, I mean, maybe at some point there's hardly any swear words, right? Mm. Or something like that. Well, you know, H-E double hockey sticks to keep our safe <laughs> rating, right? I think like to use a Golden Girls reference <laughs> is, is, you know, that's just not as bad, except if I, when I was a kid, oh my gosh, mouth washed out with soap, which I don't think they let people do anymore. <laughs> Uh, I, I, do you ever have your mouth washed out no, with soap? No, we didn't do that oh, in my no. family. Eat no. a bar of soap. Ugh. No, it, it sounds not particularly pleasant. Yeah, so, you know, the context changes. But, so that's just one study, and this is yeah. why you got to look at a body of right. Literature, and, right? And so that study, if you just if you only looked at that study, you would think, gosh, swearing at work seems like a pretty bad idea. Don't do it. Now, would you be harmed by walking away with that That idea and not swearing at all at work. No, no, but it's not the whole story. There is more to the story with regard to swearing at work. And so there's this article by Yehuda Baruch and Stuart Jenkins in Leadership and Organization Development Journal, and it's titled Swearing at Work and Permissive Leadership Culture, When Antisocial Becomes Social and Incivility is Acceptable. So it takes a little bit more of a nuanced view of this topic of swearing at work. And you know, and what a we, title. That is a I, great title. For it's awesome. Article. Yeah. When antisocial becomes social and incivility is acceptable. Um, so, of course, no, cultural norms continue to change around words. Um, our language continues to evolve. Right. Uh, but another way of thinking about swearing at work has to do with considering kind of two sets of outcomes. So what it does to an individual's well-being as well as the group's well-being. So they did some case studies. It's more of a qualitative analysis here. And um, they looked at whether or not having a leadership culture in which you actually allow some swearing, a more permissive leadership culture, um, you know, what that what that may do. And they said that and they found that, you know, there's some evidence that having a, a culture in which leadership actually permits the use of, of some foul language 
um, can have some positive consequences. How might this be? Right. So the the idea, think about you're in a small group, maybe you're a, a social media firm or something, and you lose a major client. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes just being like, well, guys, bleep. Right. And, and it, it, right. And, and like, so here's the thing is it's impact on the individual or the group. And these impacts can be positive or negative. Sometimes you really can rally the troops if you're losing at halftime. Right. Right. And the coach gets you back there and maybe he chews on your rear end a little bit. Rah, 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 rah. And then you're <laughs> not, then, not literally figuratively. Right. I, you know, I'm using all, all the clean words for things. Right. <laughs> he chews your hiney and it's like, get out there and, you know, all the words. <laughs> <laughs> do you know? all the word. do all the words to our opponent and score that, more goal units. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, you get you start to get a little pumped up. All right. You may bang your football helmet against the guy next to you and then run out there and rip off some heads and win. Right. So, uh, you know, and I didn't play football, but anyway, you've seen the movies. So the, <laughs> the thing is, is that can have a real positive impact. Right. But you could also be yeah. a tyrant manager or boss and come in and, and really be abusive in your language. And that that's the whole thing. Same thing for the individual. Why do we curse somebody out? Because man, it can feel so good in that moment. You know what? Mm. I've been putting up with your bleepity bleep for bleepity bleep bleep bleep. And and then at, afterwards you you feel kind of good. You're like, yeah. And maybe people in the office clap for you because they've been waiting for somebody to tell that boss off, right? Maybe, maybe. Uh, uh it's but I would say that it is definitely still, you may feel good, but it, it's not going to have a positive impact long-term, right? Um, and, you know, th what this article suggests is that if you try to ban swear words, you know, probably not a good idea. A, it might backfire. B, it might, quote, remove the source of solidarity that binds small communities of practice, right? So sometimes within organizations, you have groups of people who come together and they have kind of their own language way of doing things. And if some of that involves some swearing um, and you come up with some list of banned words, well, you know, that's going to potentially um, disrupt the, the high performance of that team, the cohesion within that group. And now, just imagine the task that you would give some poor <laughs> HR assistant. All right. <laughs> I need you to type these bad words into our official policy and yes. just send an email out. You I, will not say the word or the word i mean it's really it's a bad look guys right and uh you know it is still a good idea to always as part of your culture work to eliminate the offensive the abusive swearing that's in the workplace you do not want people who are using language to tear each other down that is not what you want um but you there there is some positive outcomes that can come from having uh, or allowing some of this to go on. There's this great quote that I just want to pull from the article, though, that, that I just really, really think kind of captures a lot of this. And um, here it is. So I quote, managers have many responsibilities, including protecting the welfare of their employees, protecting the public with whom they interact, and upholding the reputation of the organization. Management is not an accurate natural science, and in many ways can be seen as an art. When applying this philosophy to workplace language, 
It is not sufficient to interpret management responsibility as a reason to introduce a draconian code of conduct which bans swearing outright. The challenge is to master the art of knowing when to turn a blind eye to norms of communication that do not confer with their own standards. And I continue to quote, Certainly in most scenarios, in particular in the presence of customers or senior staff, profanity must be seriously discouraged or banned. However, our study suggested that in many cases, taboo language serves the needs of the people for developing and maintaining solidarity and as a mechanism to cope with stress. Allowing an official no-swearing policy to be informally ignored in some contexts may be a sensible outcome. However, we do not suggest that organizations should deliberately adopt profane language. So it's not where you're going to go say, hey, we're, we're, hey, this study said that we're going to, if we swear a lot, we're going to have some really good team cohesion. So let's, or, let's, or, ramp, let's ramp it up, boys. Or, or <laughs> Filson, Filson, come see me in my office. Filson, oh. what's going on? You've only said like two bad words this month. Is everything going okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, well, Filson has been doing a lot better. I mean, if you've been following this podcast, Filson had some troubles in his career, but has, has really turned things around. And maybe he's just not, he, he's, he's happy. He has he's nothing not, to not cuss swearing. about. Nothing That's to great. cuss about. Exactly. So don't ban it, but it sometimes can be okay to turn a blind eye. Okay, so why don't we turn our attention now to another article, also by one of these uh, scholars, so Yehuda Baruch and some of his colleagues. And this one was published in the Journal of Managerial Psychology, and this one was titled, Swearing at Work, the Mixed Outcomes of Profanity. And this reports some findings from interviews that they did with 52 lawyers, medical doctors, and business executives in the UK, France, and the US. So looking at you know fairly professional class people in the workplace and talking to them about the use of profanity and what kinds of things um, can come from that. And here's the thing, out of all these people, um, did very many of them admit to swearing? Yeah, they're all like, yeah, we all swear. <laughs> yeah, all of them. <laughs> they did, all of them admitted to swearing. And, um, and you know what? I've been around, you know, because I did study theology in undergrad. Uh, I've been around all types of ministers, uh, priests and stuff. and. I've heard more than a few not so good words come out of their mouth. So it's, it is, it's just common. Mm -hmm. if, if, you know, your kids will do it. Everybody knows that you, you're, I have a blind eye if you think they don't. Right. And what they found, at least from the, the qualitative evidence um, in this study is that there, there can be some positive outcomes and these positive outcomes could be for the individual or for the interpersonal kind of the relationship aspects and group levels, um, including things like relieving stress, enriching the communication quality, and enhancing socialization, so bringing people into the group. Um, and I think this is an interesting study because it highlights the potential positive outcomes of what we typically look at as a negative phenomenon in organizations. So um, maybe we'll just kind of look at some of their, the, the big themes that they had here, you know, in terms of some positive outcomes that they saw from profanity at work. Um, so one of them was stress relief. Um, and, you know, we know that venting can be, it's not always, but it can be a positive coping mechanism. So stress relief. Yeah. And that's, you know, sometimes it needs to happen. Um, expressing anger, right? That help that goes hand in hand uh, or frustration, yeah. right? And And sometimes it can break through in conflict, right? You know, people are fighting and sometimes it can just provide a little bit of jar you out of that moment of argument. Right. You know, right. 
Yeah, some other positive outcomes, maybe assigning responsibility or maybe something with power. Um, you know, again, using it as a coping mechanism, drawing attention to something, providing some motivation, uh, some cause of urgency, sometimes just humor. Now, humor is is a can be a minefield in the workplace, but um, sometimes it goes hand in hand with swearing, building rapport, um, bringing the group together. So group bonding, cohesion and those types of items. So there can be some positive outcomes from swearing at work. Uh, right. That's at the group level. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, c communication, right? Building trust, group bonding, all that kind of stuff is all part of that. Yeah. Now, to be balanced, there are some potential negative outcomes. So in this study, they they did report some negative outcomes from profanity at work. So, you know, maybe some of the reactions from your colleagues, you know, if you don't read the situation well and you drop some language that is really outside of the norm in that context, yeah, you're probably going to get some negative reactions from your colleagues. Um, you may lose some of their respect. Yeah. And you're just viewed as unprofessional. Yeah. Right. Not when good. in doubt, don't do it. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that is a good takeaway here. Um, you know, I think it also can provide a little bit of um, tarnish on your rep reputation. Right. Um, it could certainly impact relationships with customers. You know, so when you're thinking, I, I think one rule of thumb here is, you know, if you're thinking about relationships with senior staff, you're thinking about outside outside the organization, that's where you would really want to discourage the use of profanity, um, you know, and then uh, have a, a sensible approach within the organization. So I think that kind of moves us into thinking through, you know, what might be some implications of some of this research, this small yet present body of, of literature on swearing at work, some impl implications for people, leaders, and organizations. Right. So for individuals, it's risky business, right? It can be. But it's also part of the work environment. So, and that's what I love about our podcast. You know, sometimes in our coaching, you know, I, I can't think of a time I talked to somebody about cursing, although it has been a problem for some of the people that I, I've coached that were executives. Mm -hmm. So when in doubt, don't do it. And another piece is, at least in English, uh, in America, you know, I, I haven't been to the UK or anything like that, but religious connotations, you know, they may say Jesus Christ or, you know, in a, just that word as a profane word or God and then another expletive. Right. Right. And there have been lawsuits about creating a hostile work environment from people of faith. So. Mm -hmm. I, I would leave those kinds of disparaging, anything that has a religious connotation, just put those in the dustbin, right? Yeah. You, don't, you don't need to touch those. Yeah. I mean, I the way I think about swearing, I think of those types of, of words that have a religious connotation as a whole different category of, you know, curse words. And then there's just foul language, right? Um, so uh, certainly avoid those. Um, be careful with what's written, what's in print, what's in social media, because gosh darn it, <laughs> that stuff gets shared. That stuff gets uh, screen, um, you know, captured. Even if you try to delete something, uh, basically anything that you put out there in print, email, social media, just assume that it's going to be uh, viral. Assume that everyone's going to see it. And if you're not happy with what that feels like, given that, that consideration, you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah, because the people who read or look at it, they may not share the same context as you. 
Mm-hmm. It's the same thing when we do mission planning in the army. You know, you'll have phase lines and checkpoints, you know, checkpoint Charlie or checkpoint, you know, we'll come up with names that might have a theme like checkpoint Budweiser, you know, phase line Miller, you know, for Miller Lite, right? Or something like that. But sometimes they would get a little cutesy. And I remember the commanding officers like, we never do those. Mm. And, well, well, why? Because what if somebody gets injured or, God forbid, loses their life? And then the the data of the mission gets released to the parents. And mm. how how flippant and capricious would you look having crazy names? And that's just an example of, you know, the parents are reading about the death of their son or their daughter, and they're yeah. looking at all this stuff. And, and it looks bad. And why does it look bad? Because they don't see the people laughing and, and cracking up while they're making a mission plan. Right. They just see what went on after. Right. So I think your point is is a really good one that uh, what may seem very appropriate in the current context might not be appropriate in the context that uh, from outsiders looking in on what's going on. And so that's why print, social media, that stuff lasts forever and people view it in different contexts. Yep. Don't do it. Yep. You know, another big don't is never use language to bully, to harass people. That is not building a flourishing organization. Uh, that is only isolating, ostracizing, and tearing people down. Uh, so regardless of the content of what actual words you're using, swearing or not, don't use language in that way. Right. It, you, if you're a manager, you just need to move with separating that person from the organization. It, there's never right. an excuse to make it toxic for another individual. Yeah. I mean, even if it, they're toxic, don't, right. don't, exactly. Don't, poison, don't do it. Don't stoop to that level. I think even in our episode where we talked about firing, uh, we talked about how you still want to do that with professionalism and with dignity um, for a variety of reasons. One being that that's a real person that you're dealing with, even if you really don't like that person. But B, just for a very practical reason is, you know, you don't want to inflame that person further. You don't want to escalate the situation. Right. And just keep in mind how you talk is part of your brand and, and your personal be. reputation. Right. And and with your brand and reputation, that's not just externally. That's also within your organization. So know your audience and the culture of your organization. Right. Right. And if you rely, I remember when I was a kid that people would say, you know, cussing's intellectually lazy. You can't say something really. Well, you know, that's kind of true, kind of not. But if you go into a bunch of situations where cussing's not acceptable and you don't know how to talk without using bad words on the regular, man, you, you need to start practicing that skill. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good skill to have. Be able to have a long conversation without dropping various types of expletives. That's a, that's a good goal. Um, so certainly know your audience, know the culture of the organization. Now, and it also doesn't mean necessarily that, let's say you go from one organization to another, you know, you go to, from a culture where there's zero swearing tolerated, you go to one where it's kind of everywhere. It doesn't mean that you have to adopt all of that and you have to become a potty mouth yourself. That, that's not what we're saying here. Um, but I think you just have to be cognizant of your context. If you want to change the culture of an organization, well, change oftentimes starts with a look in the mirror and you can do some of that yourself. Yeah, one way to set yourself apart, right, and gain influence is just people will notice, oh, it's the norm around here, but that guy doesn't do it. Right. 
right? And so yeah. that, that you can get some prestige for yourself. There. I mean, I've seen that in the military um, yeah. where you'll come across some people. It's like, no, that, that person doesn't speak that way and, and doesn't like it when other people do. And, um, and, and that's, that's fine. They're, they're creating the culture that they want around them. So um, keep that in mind as well. Now, if we think about, you know, leaders, we think about organizational level types of items with regard to swearing at work. Um, I, I think the first thing here is definitely stop, you know, and put a a halt to any kind of abusive swearing. Um, really, I mean, abuse of any type in the workplace shouldn't be happening. Um, but if people are are using language as a weapon with each other, uh, that's ugly uh, and has no place in an organization. Right. And this is some of this is in group out group. I've been in orgs where, you know, there's a couple people that are the punching bags. And one of a good way as a leader that you can put the kibosh on that is to say, hey, listen, why would I ever promote you or give you a raise or anything when you're somebody that abuses people? Right. And, and it, you immediately change the tone. It's like, I mean, I get it. He, they've been the punching bag for years before I showed up. But, you know, I don't want that anymore. So let do do with that what you will. Yeah. And right. It, I mean, it really. And here's the piece. It is setting the tone at the top or the middle or wherever you are. You can be an everyday leader from a position of not formal authority in an organization by shaping how you conduct yourself. But if you do have formal authority, people are going to be looking at you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just think if you say one bad word, the people below you are probably saying 100. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, you will have I call it the beaded curtain effect. It's a tiny wiggle for the bead at the top, but at the bottom, things are whiplashing and around. So just watch yourself. How you conduct yourself is going to have a massive oversized impact on how the others in your organization behave. I think that's a really great point. And you know, this applies, of course, to our topic here of swearing at work, but even more broadly, as you ascend the organizational hierarchy, as you gain more uh, positional authority, People look at you differently and you really become a person under a microscope and your the what you say and what you do get closely analyzed. And so uh, to your point, if you want to set that tone of um, of how we communicate with each other, be intentional about it. Uh, another thing that we should consider as leaders um, kind of at the organizational level is, you know, don't don't try to make some sort of list of words that we cannot say in this organization. Um, you know, maybe you're that comes thinking, off like yeah. a Monty Python skit. You know, yeah. we will not say the word this, nor will we say the word that. <laughs> Filson, stop looking at the window. Pay attention. We're, we're learning the bad words we will not say. <laughs> That's right. You know, this is. This is a bad idea for a variety of reasons. One being that when you do that, you call attention to it. You start to say it, it really kind of feels like an encroachment on people's freedom. And people don't generally respond well to that. Not to mention, there's just so much ambiguity around kind of what's acceptable or not. People have different views. Um, so and not to mention words change, new words arise. Like if you Let's imagine you that this was a good idea. You were like, we're going to keep a list of banned words. You would have to update that thing like every other week. And it would it would become this huge just 
dictionary of potty words, you know? I'm so... the chief naughty word officer for <laughs> company XYZ. And... <laughs> Right. So that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Um, now, you could have something in your employee handbook or something as a as an organizational policy uh, around, you know, anti-bullying or, you know, those type of anti-harassment. Right. Right. And that that could include language as something that you mentioned in that policy. But I wouldn't go down the road of making a list of definitive words. Yeah, and since the real caretakers of the culture are the people, and the people who can help correct culture that's starting to come off the rails a little bit or going somewhere you don't want it to go, are managers and executives and stuff like that, right? When you, somebody's missing the boat, they're using too many bad words, or they're not, they just miss the cultural context, all that kind of stuff, rather than being you know, heavy-handed and mean about it, this is actually an opportunity to affirm your values and culture that you want to see. And by saying, hey, you know, when you do that, this is how it's coming off. Let me tell you the behaviors that I want to see. And, and it becomes an affirming moment. And you can actually, a time to bake in more of the culture you're trying to create as an organization, rather than just, you know, everything's punitive, you know, especially in HR, HR's punitive. Okay, we're going to go see HR about this because they're going to talk about some kind of policy and it's all all this legalism and stuff. I you could avoid a lot of those kind of painful annoying conversations just by talking about the stuff you want to see and what you like. Right? And one of those things that I think you can't go wrong as an organization if you explicitly say we care about interpersonal respect. We care about the dignity of every single person here. And if you have that as your baseline, as that kind of a piece of your culture, that we respect each other, that we can certainly disagree on ideas, but we don't attack each other either verbally and certainly not physically, um, that is a firm foundation on which to build a good culture. And then if you're having issues with crass, vulgar language, profanity of any sort, you can handle that on a case by case basis and keeping in mind that, you know, you probably don't want to clamp down on, hey, you can't say these 10 words. However, you can come back to those values and you can come back to those cultural norms that you want and say, you know, if someone's, for example, using profanity in a way that tears other people down, then you can address that and say, you know, it's actually not the words that I care about as much, but I care about what's happening here and I care about what this is doing to the team. Uh, so, you know, really start to use that as a, as a way to kind of build the culture that you want to see in your organization. Man, I, yeah, I, I don't think I could say anything after that, Ben. Why don't you bring us home? <laughs> All right. So today we've had a little bit of fun talking about a actually fairly serious topic and an important one about swearing at work. We've talked about how we can think about swearing at work and some of the research on this topic. And we've wrapped up with some implications for people, leaders, and organizations. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.